folks that are accessing the food bank, you know, it, 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 be, it starts as about the food, but the reality is that that the food is is just the vehicle that got them to us to create then the long term connection. Is there anyone out there? From darkness to life contains the real stories of courageous individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Rick, Ryan, and Damien are here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to OurCollectiveJourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey. When's the last time I saw you, Selena? Uh, welcome. Well, you said what, two years, three years? Two, three years, Poncho, since I've seen you. And I said you got taller, but then you said I'm wearing heels yet. And I said I've gotten shorter. I well, I think be... you're shrinking. I, I am. I, I, used do. To, I used to be 5'11". I was at the doctor a couple of weeks ago. He says I'm 5'10". So. Oh, well, that's good. That's yeah. good. That means you're... Aging with grace. That's good. All right. We'll go with that one. Uh, Now, I know who you are. I know what you do. But let's introduce you to our our collective journey from darkness to life. Listeners, you are, among other things, the executive director of the uh, Medicine Hatton District Food Bank. And you wear a lot of hats. You are a city councillor for the city of Medicine Hat. And then you're also working with the uh, Santa Claus Fund. And then the ParentLink Center as well. And now here you are to talk mental health. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, wearing different hats in the community is is a lot of fun sometimes. (laughs) We start every podcast with uh, this question. How are you and why are you that way? If you're going to give me a a one word answer, that's fine. But I want to know why. So, I mean, if you're you're incredibly ecstatic, nervous, anxious, happy, sad. And the reason we ask is because... Well, concerning mental health, that's how it starts, right? It starts with one big conversation. So how are you? You know what? Today I am actually doing really good. We are. I'm really excited about the future uh, that's happening with the food bank, and we've had lots of really positive things happening. Um, you know, so today is actually a really good day. So food bank. This is your heart and soul. This is what you've been throwing so much of your life's work into. Absolutely. Why are you happy about the Medicine Hat District Food Bank these days? Well, I think, you know, we've been working towards a goal. And when you start to see the light of that goal begin to happen, it uh, it is a great thing to feel in your soul. And I think because we are making change in a time where our community really needs it. For those who don't know, and I only know a little bit of what the food bank is all about. So we'll quickly explain what it all encompasses, because it's a lot more than just food. That's right. It all starts with food. I think food is the vehicle and uh, allows for us to to reach people at a different level. Uh, certainly, right now, what's happening that's really exciting with the food bank is we've just purchased the fire hall on Maple Avenue, and we are turning it into a food and wellness hub where all folks can come and experience the healing power of food. Uh, and, and I'm really excited about that. What do you mean by wellness hub? Well, you know exciting. We are actually partnering uh, with our collective journey. They're actually coming uh, into our space as well and going to be a resource that's going to be available. So by wellness, we mean it's about everything. Food might be the start, but it's about everything. You had a quote when you filled out your bio, and I want to read it. The mental health crisis has no easy solution. It's complex, and there is more need than ever for us to all work together. So is that one of the reasons why you've gotten together with uh, you know, Rick and our collective journey and, and the rest of the crew over there? And if so, what, what's the goal? How do you combine wellness 
with the food bank under the big mental health umbrella? Well, I think mental health starts with those building blocks, right? I mean, food, housing, shelter, all of those things are kind of the beginning blocks. And then as you move up, I, I always, I love Maslow. Maslow's my favorite. And so, you know, you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which starts with food and then starts with being accepted and finding a place to belong and, you know, all of these pieces. And, and I believe that because food is, the, is in those building blocks, that um, if we can provide the food, uh, the wellness will come from from all of our community partners. You know what? So you just said something that I've never heard anybody say concerning these podcasts, and it's something we always talk about, and only now it strikes me just how important it is when you said food is important, just not to sustain the body, but it's fuel for the body, and that has an impact on how you think as well. Do you think so? Absolutely. And I think what what I've always talked about is if you can imagine uh, Christmas morning or Christmas when you walk into your family's house, if, if that's something that you do, the very first thing that happens is you smell the turkey. And you smell the food and you you sit in the kitchen and you chat with your grandma and you chat with your mom and you have this whole experience around food. And I think that we in some ways have forgotten that that often the most magical things happen around food, the most magical conversations you can ever have happen around food. And so if we can create a place where those smells are always there and that moment is always there that you can connect in the kitchen, um, it's actually, it's pretty magical. So that's a part of it as well then. The wellness help is going to incorporate, you're not just not handing out food, you're giving the skills to create meals with the food. That's right. And I think therefore there's a big connection to positive mental health as well. The people that come in to use the food bank, and you said there's all ages, all walks of life, you know, from those that have needed the food bank for years to those that are new to the food bank to those that don't need it anymore. Do you see a lot of mental health issues that relate to the need of the food bank? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, a good example is, uh, you know, I know you just had a podcast with Brent Sikondiak from the police service. Great guy. And uh, one of the things that I've noticed over years is, you know, we've even connected with the police and provided food for their uh, cars. Because when the police can give somebody nourishment, it de-escalates them immediately. And so it actually provides protection huh. it provides a connection with another human being that you can't get from from many other things than food and and that's a lot of our folks that are accessing the food bank you know it it it, be, it starts as about the food but the reality is that that the food is is just the vehicle that got them to us to create the relationship to create then the long-term connection i, I really like how you phrase that how long have you been with the Medicine Hat and District Food Bank? I have been there for six years, believe it or not. What's the biggest change that you've seen, whether it's in the people that use it, uh, maybe how you've changed, how you approach it? Was it strictly about the food? At, at one point, was it just about putting food in people's pantries and fridges? Has it evolved? Have you seen how mental health affects that? And is your goal in the food bank a little different than it was, say, six years ago? You know, it is, absolutely. I think, um, I think I've think i always believed that it was mo- always more about more than about just food. I've always believed that in my heart. Um, but I think the 
at, you know, especially going through COVID and all the things with COVID, we've we've had to change our operations so much just to um, just to create it. And I find my, you know, it kind of eats my soul a little bit to just throw food at people as opposed to actually connect with them and, and be with them. And, and I've seen the difference we can make in people's lives, even as volunteers in our cooking programs, where they actually come back and say, like, we actually can't live without this. And we're the volunteer, but we can't live without this because it's given us such an amazing sense of purpose uh, to be part of these programs and I think that food is just the beginning I I don't know that it's that my opinion of it has changed but I think that it's just strengthened my resolve that this this all starts with those basic building blocks and as we move up those up that we're going to see change in people's lives I've seen it myself with my own eyes constantly and and consistently and is that something you've you've always known you referenced that it's a very complex solution and it is in your opinion how do you see solving this? I mean, I get it. You can't solve mental health, but man, you can sure raise a, a, a lot of awareness and you can give people the skills and the tools that they need to manage. Yeah. I, th- I think it comes back to community. I mm. oh, have always believed that the, the, the answer lies within community. So I, I always talk about my grandpa. Silly little story, but you know, my grandpa was a farmer. And I can remember being a kid and he broke his leg and he couldn't get the crop off the field. And I remember sitting under the table at my grandma's house and all the adults were talking about, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we've got all of this. How are we going to do this? And I remember thinking, my gosh, this is not, not going to get better. Grandpa's in trouble. And you know what happened is that all of the tractors came over the over the hill and they took the crop off and my grandpa had his crop and, and community came together to support him in his hour of need. And, he, and if somebody else in the community that happened to, he'd be the first one on his tractor helping them. And I think that what we've lost is that at this point, there's no tractors coming. And so we have to be those tractors. We, we as human beings actually have to be the connection point for for the community. We created food banks, we created professional services, and those all have their place. Don't get me wrong, they all have their place. But the reality is what most people need is a friend. They need a natural support. They need somebody that they can connect to. What we hear at the food bank all the time is, I don't have an emergency contact. I put down the food bank. So can you imagine going to the hospital? They have nobody. They have nobody. Nobody. And the food bank is their go-to. The food bank is their emergency contact. It's a little scary. Well, we're not there at 12 o'clock if they need us. We, we aren't there. They need somebody in the community that they can care for. That's why this hub is so important because it is not about poverty. It is about everyone. It is about everyone coming to the table around mental health, around supporting the members of our community and getting to know each other. Because what I know for sure is that people that live in poverty believe certain things about people that don't. And people that don't believe certain things about people that do, and none of it is true. Like what? Can you give us some examples? Well, for example, you might hear somebody that doesn't live in poverty say, oh, those people are lazy. Not true. Not true at all. You might hear somebody who lives in poverty say, all those people with money, they don't care about us. Again, not true. The food bank doesn't exist without them. So I know for sure that the things we tell ourselves about each other are not true. So if we can all get in a room and sit around a table and talk about what we actually have in common, I think it changes everything. Before I forget, I thought I was good with analogies. You blow me out of the water. So uh, congratulations on that. Wow. So love the tractor analogy. Right? Let's talk about your grandpa. He he broke his leg. He felt, obviously, he's not able to get the crop off. 
did he also feel in the respect that he couldn't provide is that is do you think is the, and that's not the case but do you think that's what was going through his head and do you think that some of the mental health issues that you see from people coming into the food bank going I'm here because I can't provide do you do you think that's how they they think which is unfortunate because you just said that's that's not the case you don't have to think like that yeah, I think, you know, looking back on that situation, I would say that I that my grandpa probably felt that way, but he never would have said it, right? Because he was always very stoic and he always made sure that, you know, the family felt like they were secure. And, and I think we see that with men uh, overall. Uh, they come into the food bank with their head uh, down and we say to them, it's okay. You know, it's, it's okay. Take some food now and when you're back on your feet, you can get back. Did you realize that you were going to be a counselor of sorts when you got invested into the food bank that that you had to comfort and reassure people that you know what it's it's going to be okay there's a reason why we're here yeah i i'll never forget uh, a day we had a man who had just lost his job in the oil field and he was sitting in his truck and, and i kept looking out the window and i'm like what is this guy doing he's sitting in his truck his two kids were in the truck with him and he was just sitting in his truck and I, like it was hours and i was like i'm just gonna go out there and see what's going on and i thought well maybe he's on the phone I got out there and he was absolutely crushed. And he said, I can't believe I'm here. I'm a donor. And I'm like, yeah, you're still a donor. And now you need a little food and you'll be a donor when this is all over. And uh, he came in and, and utilized and, and sure enough, you know, a couple months later, he got a job and he came back and he gave back to the food bank and, and was able to give back in that capacity. And so it is a full circle thing. I mean, we all have times in our life when we need help whether it's from the food bank or it's from a friend or a parent or, or whoever, we all need help. That, that's universal. When you see somebody that's been coming to the food bank and they stop coming to the food bank, does that make you feel good going that, you know what, we've succeeded here. They're, they're on their own. They're, they're back where they need to be. They're back what they're doing. And maybe we'll see them as a donor. Yeah. Do you see that a lot? Do you see a lot of new faces? Do you see a lot of fresh faces on a daily basis, weekly, monthly? Yeah, sure. There's always new people and people that have accessed before. And um, probably my greatest joy is when I see somebody that uh, has utilized the food bank and then they come back as a volunteer because it shows that they appreciate the service, that they care about their fellow man, that they felt valued and that they felt like they had value to give back. And I think that that for me is probably the biggest gift that we get. We had a little boy, six years old, and he, he was sitting in the waiting room and I said, he, he says, he says, uh, what, what are you doing? He came into my office and, and I, he said, I said, well, I'm working here. And he says, well, wh what do people do here? I said, well, they volunteer. He says, well, I want to be a volunteer. I said, well, yeah. I said, you are a volunteer. And so every moment from that point forward, that child came to our food bank, not as a client, but as a volunteer. But as a volunteer. <laughs> and so that's the joy. Wow. Yeah, you can take a lot of hat. I mean, the innocence and the honesty and, and kids call it how they see it, right? don't they? Uh, Rick, I want to ask you this question because, of course, you're a, a, one of the founding people of our collective journey. What's your goal in working with Selena and the food bank coming together? Uh, I think we look at it as a, a really holistic approach. Like, I think ab absolutely the food is a critical building block of, of all, like, not just mental health, but physical health. And without physical health, you have no mental health. And without nourishment, it all falls apart. Um, I know we've, in, in different things that I've done I know that I've stopped at 
the food bank to pick up people to take them to different 12-step programs and support them through that. So I know, I know very well a lot of her demographic are a lot of people that could use some additional support. And so we're trying to build that, you know, I think that's, we've recognized the gap. Like I, the more I think about the relationship between the food, uh, the wellness hub and, and our collective journey, I think it's just, it, it, it makes so much sense to it's have, a perfect fit. to have some support in the facility. Like it, I, I basically look at it us as offering outreach for uh, mental health and addiction outreach for the food bank. The interesting thing you said, and it's a wonderful combination of the two, because food and mental health, especially when you're talking about the food bank, they do go hand in hand. And I know that a struggle for anybody with mental health issues is that you got to go here to find answers for this question. And you got to go here to find answers for this question and here and here and here. And so the fact that you're Combining your forces, I think, is going to be a huge relief to those that are looking for answers. And before we move ahead, um, let's talk about, is it open? When will it be open? Contacts. How do we become a part of the Medicine Hat and District Food Bank? Sure. So the food bank remains open at our old location right now. We're just in the process of, you'll see a lot of trucks and things going back and forth because we're just in the process of um, renovation now. We are hoping to be open by beginning middle of may um and uh can't wait to get into that new building and and start to you know see change your existing food bank by the way and i know where it is but there's so many damn name changes on that hunk of pavement so is it south railway is it dunmore or is it kingsway yeah i don't know i think it's south railway so far for our address <laughs> purposes i <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what's, so what's the easiest way to get a hold of somebody at the food? The easiest way is to call 403-528-4313. Hit one and you'll get Diane. Just leave a message on there. We have about 100 calls a day. And so we have a commitment to return calls within 24 hours. So just leave a message. We will absolutely call you back. Has it always been 100 calls a day? Have you seen an increase since 2020 and the whole COVID pandemic? Uh, You know, the numbers have stayed pretty steady. We've seen a little bit of an increase, but I think the biggest thing is is just a change in who's calling. So, uh, yeah, typically about 100 returned calls a day for Diane. So you can imagine the just the the weight of, of phoning that many people back and then providing food that day as well. So she, she does a lot of work down there. Wow. Really proud of the staff that we have in place. That is incredibly eye-opening. Uh, and I know we have all kinds of links on the Our Collective Journey Facebook page. Is that another link that's on there? Will, will there be a link on there? Yeah, to be totally honest with you, I think we're kind of failing with the links actually working. So um, we're in the process of okay. having an amazing individual redevelop our website for us. Um, it was, I, I built the original one and I'm not that much of a tech savvy guy. Um, so we're in the process of retooling it. But that said, I mean, uh, all our messenger, all our DMs work on all our social medias. And, and if anybody's ever looking for something and they can't find it or something's not working, just shoot us a message and we'll make sure we get you where you're going. Let's talk about your mental health, Selena. Oh. Because you give and you give and you give. And after you just said that you get 100 calls a day, that's got to get heavy after a while. Very, very heavy. So what do you do? How do you cope? Who do you reach out to? Well, certainly I am very lucky to have um, amazing, two amazing children who are adults now and so support me 
in a great way. Um, you know, to be honest, at the beginning of COVID um, and all the pressure of feeling like we had to keep the food bank open while still keeping our family safe, I struggled. Like, I, I really struggled. I, I would say that I had some suicidal ideation, had to call a, a helpline and everything. And so, you know, this these, these things are not just... Um, mental health issues don't just affect people that you maybe uh, put into a box that you think that it affects. It affects all of us. And so certainly, um, you know, I have reached out to helplines. I have reached out to try to access services. And, you know, I've, I've chatted with colleagues. I'm lucky. I have a lot of people around me who know what to do. You said you had to reach out to helplines and you work within the community of, of mental health. Did you have a difficult time finding contacts? Because if you did, how is, a, how is somebody that's dealing with mental health issues that doesn't know what you already know supposed to find help? I think that was probably the most shocking thing for me was that I reached out through a text line that was that was provided by the province. And um, I reached out and it was funny because I was actually having a bath as I was texting and they said, well, have you tried having a bath? Yeah, yeah, I kind of, I'm in the bath. So yeah, I've tried that. Um, knowing I'm a professional, knowing that I know all those kind of basic self-help techniques um, that, that you can do, uh, you know, I really needed more. I really needed somebody to actually like reach down and support me uh, in a really profound way. And I, I didn't necessarily find that within some of those those bigger picture, here's the 811 call phone number. Um, so I'm lucky that I have a lot of professionals in my life that I can reach out to to say, hey, can you help me? Uh, I think that's that's what struck me about our collective journey. And we've all also had con- you know contact with, with other agencies as well, that I think that peer support is so important. I think having somebody to reach out to that has the knowledge. So I think that's when it comes down to our collective journey, I think they they have the peer support, but they also have the professional knowledge to be able to connect people. And I think that that is uh, really what's needed uh, I, right now. I, I remember the first time I met you, actually, and you, we were actually in a, we were dealing with another crisis for another individual that had reached out to the organization. And uh, one of the things that we identified was food. And uh, Ryan, he's like, I, I, I know the person we need to go talk to, right? So we immediately went to the food bank and it was my first introduction to Selena. And she was really candid and open with everything she just talked about, right? The pressure of, of COVID and how that was feeling and the weight of that on her and the emotional toll it had taken. And I remember, and I remember clear as day going, I get it. And, and so in my professional role, I manage a senior's home. And the pressure that we were under between the staff, the organization, uh, the the people, were, the individuals were responsible for that we house, um, the families looking at the different government agencies between AHS and public housing and all of the different government bodies, the pressure to not fail was overwhelming. Yes. And... And I had no goddamn idea what I was doing. Like it was, it was so, it was such a new, huge, unforeseen problem that it was like, you know, I do my best to problem solve, but this wasn't on anybody's radar. Right. So I could immediately relate and not sympathize, but empathize and be like, I, I get it. Yeah. Right. And let's have a chat about it. Like, so here, here I am in Crescent Heights feeling all of this stuff. You're down here feeling all of this stuff. And. All we needed needed to do was talk about it and know that somebody was in it with us and we weren't alone. I think that's so profound what you said about failing. Because I think, you know, people who are 
you know, consider themselves successful or consider themselves in a professional career, we, we all don't want to fail, right? Like, and, and this was a situation where everybody was treating it like an emergency, but as a professional, I could see COVID is not an emergency. This is a new way of living at this point. And so we're, we're all running around like crazy people trying to get all these services out, make sure that we stay open. But how are we going to manage this for a year? How are we going to manage it? And and I'm watching my staff and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm responsible for not only you, but I'm responsible for you and your children and your grandma and your, you know, and, and all of that weighing. And, and I think that there's a lot of professionals in the community feeling that way, it's, you know, because nobody's, like you said, nobody's experienced this before. This is all new. And so um, I, I'm really grateful that we had an opportunity to connect and that, that, that I was able to be vulnerable in a time where I didn't feel like I could be. So, well, and to yeah. just not feel alone, yeah. like that somebody gets it is it, was huge. And none of this would happen if you two hadn't connected. None of this would have happened if you two didn't choose to have a conversation. Yeah, we. I would have just sat in my misery silo all by myself. And that's why we say talking. That that's the first step. Conversation to to be real. When you reached out, what made you reach out for help? I actually had a friend tell me that they were worried about me. And uh, so they did, and did you see, did you think you needed help before it was pointed out? You know, I probably did. I probably did know I needed help, but I, you know, I thought, oh, I'll be fine. I, I use the word fine. And we talked about what that looks like. I can't say it on air, but if anybody wants to know, they can call you me. Can no, you, can, you can absolutely say it on air. This is a podcast. Can, you can say whatever can you say want. Okay, yeah, well, yeah. You know what? I, it feels good to swear into a microphone oh, sometimes. I, I, well, I'm excited. Okay. So um, I always say I'm fine. When I hear people say I'm fine, what I think they mean is I'm fucked up, irrational, emotional, and neurotic or neurotic and emotional. So I, I, I think that that's kind of what fine means. And so I kept saying to myself, you know, you're fine. You're fine. You'll, you'll get through this. But but I think that I think that we all do that, right? We all think that our problems are insignificant and that nobody else feels the way we do and nobody will get it anyway. And, you know, I'm just whining or I'm just, you know, I need to be tough. I always say I'm tough. I'm tough. I got this. But I think the reality is, is there are so many people out there who are saying to themselves, I'm tough and I got this. When the reality is you don't got it. You actually need to talk to somebody. You actually need to reach out to your community. And if you do, the gifts in return that you get are understanding that, you know, somebody actually does care about you. There are people out there who care about you, whether you know it or not. And the irony in that, being tough is not being quiet about it. Being tough is talking about it. Absolutely. That's what takes the courage. That's what takes the bravery. How do you know? So how did your friend know? How, how did she know that, that you needed help? And when she brought it up, what was your reaction? How did you react to her approach going, Selena, are you okay? Well, it's, it was actually a team member, a staff member uh, of the food bank. And she said, you're not yourself. Like you you are snapping at people. You are, you know, I can see you in trauma responses. I can see you do, you, like you need some support. And, and I know you can't, it can't be me because I'm your staff member, but let me, you know, is, is there somewhere we can go and, and chat? And, and uh, for me at first I was taken aback because I'm like, hey, how dare anybody tell me I need help? Like, I know what I need, right? I'm so, fine. And I'm fine and I'm tough. I got this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm fine. Yeah. And uh, I think I think that, that that was my initial reaction. I tend to be a person, though, that can go back and think about it. And so once I thought about it, I thought, you know, I actually do need some support. And so I, and I think that 
that the hard thing nowadays is that Facebook and social media and all these places, we go and consume all these things. And it's all like nobody puts, I always call it my Facebook life, right? Because your Facebook life is not real. Like, let's be honest, nobody puts the real awful, dirty, down stuff that you're feeling on your Facebook. But that's what we're all reading. And so if I'm reading that, I am feeling like, well, if everybody else has it together, why don't I have it together? Ever Look at everybody else. Everybody else has nice pictures of their family walking in the Echo Dale, and I'm miserable in my bathtub crying. I don't, I, like nobody's miserable in their bathtub crying. The reality is, is everyone goes through these things. Everyone, like we, that's the common denominator in the, in, in our community, in our lives is that if you're going through it, someone else is too. We're human. We're all human. Talk to your neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, Reach it's, out. It's, it's that simple. So when it was suggested that you needed help, was there acceptance from you immediately? Oh, no. Oh, no. I fought it for sure. Yeah. How, but how long did you fight it? For about a week. Okay. Um, but eventually I got to the point where I was like, I, I do need to chat with someone. And, you know, thank goodness I did. Thank goodness I did. Because... You know, what I learned is that there are people in my life I can reach out to. And even if they're not in your life right now, this, our collective journey, reach out, like reach out. There's, there's all kinds of groups right now that you can reach out to and people will talk to you. People will listen to you. People who have been there will say, yeah, I get you. It's, it's okay. Um, so I, I think mental health is so big. We talk about it being so complex. The reality is though, it's complex. But there's a part of it that is literally just take a risk, reach out, be brave, talk to somebody. Why do you think we don't speak out more? Do you think it's a, a fear of being judged? Sure it is. That's a mm-hmm. huge part of it. Do you think it's a fear of being rejected possibly? Do you think it's a fear that, you know, there just isn't enough resources out there to, to get help? Uh, for me, it was I'm not enough, right? If I If I look into my own things, for me... It always comes back to, but am I enough? Am I enough? Do And you really believe that about yourself? Am I good enough? Right? And I think that a lot of people feel that way. Am I good enough? Like, if I reach out, am I going to be good enough? Am I? And, and uh, I think I, I hear that from a lot of people is that feeling of, but what if I'm not good enough? What if they don't answer me? What if I say something that somebody doesn't like? What if I say something wrong? What if I, what if I'm too much? Like, what if, what if people are just like, holy, that's too much for me. I need to shut that down. Um, so what, those are the kinds of questions I think people ask themselves. And the reality is, you know what, the, there's the right person out there who can take your too much or can take your, whatever it is. There's, there's people out there who will accept that and who will support you and who will be there for you, even if you are too much sometimes, Right. You mentioned that you had suicidal thoughts earlier in this podcast. Did you have those thoughts? How long before you reached out for help? It was probably three weeks of of thinking and and wondering if I should. And 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 it, they're fleeting. You know, you think about it, and then you go, "Is that no? Stop it. Move on. No, no." And you think about it more, and then I started to feel myself think about it more and more. And I think. Um, there was a lot going on in the community at that time. Of course, there was many suicides at that time. And, um, you know, I, I was listening to the family members talk about how devastated they were. And, and uh, I think that, you know, for me, I went, okay, one more day, one more day, one more day. We're just going to. 
One breath. One more day. One One more day. Yeah. (laughs) One more day. You had a client commit suicide. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Yeah. You know, um, so the interesting thing about that story is that, uh, and and I and I know he would be okay with me sharing this, uh, so that's why I'm sharing it. I wouldn't share it unless I knew he was. Um, but that participa- participant um, was was really special to me. Actually, I I thought a lot of him, and I saw so much in him. He was he was a real advocate in the community for folks living in poverty, and he was just. You know, we had many conversations about politics and about how to change the world. And just, I just, I really thought a lot of him. And, um, you know, he he came to the food bank on the Friday prior to um, him dying by suicide. And uh, I, I was there, but I, I was, I was busy and he wanted to talk to me and I, I I was busy. I was, I was doing something else. And, uh, you know, when, when I heard of his suicide, it just felt like such a blow, you know? He was just an amazing human being. And it was, it was hard on our staff and it was hard on us because we just loved him so much. You know, we just, we saw hope in him. And, uh, you know, I, I guess he also was a part of our coffee club, which was my favorite program ever. And, uh, yeah. I was certainly going to miss him a lot. Did you know he was suffering? I think we did know, but we didn't know what to do. We, there, I mean, we, he was connected to services. There were there, all the things were there that were supposed to be in place, but and you and you can be connected to the services, but uh, unless you empower yourself or have somebody empower you to take advantage of those services, not too yeah. much is is going to change. Had he been battling with mental health issues for? A while, and when yes. I mean a while, I mean the majority of his life. You know, I don't know the answer to that question because I I hadn't been um, with him the majority of his life, but I know he was suffering uh, through the last last few years of his life that I knew him. And you know he he was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man. He had so much to offer the world. And um, did it shock you? Yeah, you know because. I, well, I didn't know, and I was sitting um, with a volunteer actually at the time, and she said, "Oh, you know, you know that guy with the dog. He he passed away, and like I, I know, I I was I just started to cry. Like we have a picture in the food bank that he drew of our food bank logo. Like he was he was all in for what we were doing with the hub, and I was so excited to engage him in that and to have those conversations, and like it just." took me off kilter. And I think sometimes, you know, that's, I think that's the thing about the food bank is the people that we serve, they may not know this, but like we care about each and every one of them, right? Like they, they have a piece of our heart. Like there are lots of people that come to the food bank that I would consider friends. I would, I would, I I support them. I care, right? Like you're you're seeing their story. Yeah. We know them as human beings, not just as homeless people or as people living in poverty, but they're people and they have a story. You're invested in them. Yeah. You're invested in their success. You're invested in their well-being. And they have a story. And if everybody could just hear those stories, they might look at them differently. They're, They're people. They're just like you and me. This is why it's so incredibly important to talk about things, you know, mental health and to talk about heart issues like like suicide. So in the days and the weeks that, that followed, what were the feelings? Were you doing a lot of what-ifing? Because I know so many of us, what-if, because I think we've all lost people near and dear close to us. 
the what if I should have said this? What if I should have done that? One thing I can say is he told me once, he, we talked about space because we didn't have enough space at the food bank to hold the coffee club. And he said to me, um, if there, if when you face God in heaven, you'll have to tell him that you didn't have space for us. So I can promise that at the Food and Wellness Hub, there will always be space. There will always be space for anyone who wants to come, and it is absolutely in his honor. And so because of that, I am extremely passionate that, the, that this place is a vehicle to allow everyone to have a place to belong, a place to be, a place to be cared about, a place to be a part of something bigger, a place to be vulnerable, a place to be supported, a place to gather around food and people that care. And so um, for me, my what if is how do we make sure that there's always enough space? whether it be physical space or emotional space for everyone that needs it. And that's the goal. Is, is the future for our collective journey and the Medicine Hatton District Food Bank to grow in terms of adding more organizations, uh, allowing people with mental health issues to come to this one central hub and find all the answers they need? Because, Celine, as I talked to you here this morning, that's the, that's the one thing that I'm having an awakening about is if we can pool all of these resources together and make it easier for people to seek the help, because if there's been one common, Rick, out of all of the guests that we've had on the From Darkness to Life podcast, it's finding the means to seek the help. That seems to be, you know, a, a huge part. Yeah. You know, we're already working too with, um, for all the brothers as well. So we're all working together. We're working with Canadian Mental Health Association and the ACT. You know, I, for me, this, this place is a place for anyone to come. So whether it's an organization, whether it's a, uh, an individual, whoever it is, I think we can all gather at this space. I mean, once COVID's over, you know, I, I, I foresee a lot of gathering, but I think that any organization, I've always said, if we could find a way to put the money in the middle and then provide the supports from that middle, maybe we, we could actually solve some of these huge societal issues. And it starts with community. And if communities could drive the dollars so that we could make sure that all the services that were needed were there and we weren't duplicating service, we were working together to, to come to the, to the end of supporting one person through their journey. That, that we could actually solve these problems. Streamlining, streamlining forming a, a, a co-op yeah. of sorts. Yeah, I think you we're will. trying to eliminate, you know, if if, if you look at it as, as eliminating hurdles, right? If, yeah. if, we can, if we can have this facility and if whatever it is you're facing, you can come in. And, and if we don't have the resource there to help you, we at least have this social network amongst the professionals in the facility that we can help you navigate that. And sometimes even, you know, that's a, that's a backroom conversation that we can have with somebody that can expedite a wait list if necessary, or whatever it takes to get people the support they need as quickly and as efficiently as they need it, regardless of their circumstance, you know, money solves problems, right? If somebody from a well-off you know, they can circumvent wait lists, they can circumvent lines, they can get the attention they need much quicker than some of the more vulnerable population. And not to say money solves all problems. I mean, there's plenty of people with lots of money that still got problems, but it, it, it helps. It certainly helps get reaction out of 
organizations. But um, I think for us, if we if we can just eliminate those hurdles and and offer those facilities, offer that facility as a hub to get whatever support you might need, and and we're just there, like we're there. And if there is a gap in the system, if there is something that we're missing let's have a conversation about it and see what we can do about it. I mean, we don't know what we don't know unless we know. Yeah. It's getting rid of the red tape, right? Yeah. Like if we can get rid of some of that red tape that exists that, that, you know, maybe we can help navigate or maybe it isn't even, it isn't even a need. Maybe, maybe people have been accessing services that actually aren't the right service. So how do we, how do we get them to the right service for them and, and looking at the individual in the center? So whoever the participant is, whoever the person that needs help is, how about instead of we tailor services to the way we want that we actually tailor services to the individual in, in the in the way that they need them and if they need help they need help now they can't wait a couple of weeks and they can't phone this number to phone this number to hope that somebody emails them to get a phone number to contact somebody only to wait four months to maybe get a phone call back well uh, the the reality is something like i don't know that we can eliminate that necessarily but we what we can do is we can be there to support you as a bridge until that happens yeah like there's i know with you know with with mental health especially with mental health there's there's long wait lists with with ahs and different facilities and organizations within that umbrella of mental health and i know like like for me personally it was it was a five to six week delay from the first time i reached out to like come back in five to six weeks and had I not had support to get me through that window, I don't know that I would have made it through that window. So even if we can't eliminate that wait time, we can at least support you in the interim. We, Amen, yeah. So that you're not alone. You're not turned back into community to deal with it by yourself. You've got a support network to carry that load while you can't carry it yourself. How does the food bank work? Let's say you come in. Uh, are you asked a series of questions? Are you asked anything concerning your mental health? Uh, so at this time, because of COVID, we're, we're operating a little bit differently than we would normally. Sure. So on a normal basis, absolutely. We're doing all of our case management right now on phone, which is a real struggle. Um, but, you know, it's funny. I was talking to Diane this morning. We were talking about paperwork. We were talking about, you know, how do you, we, we got to click off this thing and we got to do this and we got to do that. And I said to Diane, I, or Diane said to me, she said, here's the thing. If it comes down to me clicking off the button or me having a meaningful conversation with, with one of our participants, even if it's only for two minutes to say, hey, you know, how are you doing? You need a little bit of extra something? Yeah, let, let me go grab that for you. I'm going to choose that every time and I don't care about the paperwork. As a manager, sometimes I'm like, hey, like we actually need to do the paperwork too. But the reality is we do try those things. I, I remember sitting in Diane's office one time and a guy came around the corner and he says, um, is Diane here? And I said, no, Diane's not here today. Can I help you with something? She said, she usually puts away some pistachios for me. Do you have the pistachios? <laughs> and, and I'm like, I don't know if we do. And so I lifted up Diane's cupboard and sure enough, there was pistachios in there. And it sounds like a silly little thing, but really... That's what it's about. It's about the fact, it's not the pistachios, it's the fact that Diane knows you like pistachios and she took the extra time out of her day to put them in her cupboard so that when you walked in the door, your pistachios were there. He wasn't forgotten. It's a he human connection. It was, and it belonged. He belongs there. Hey, those are my pistachios. I belong here at yeah. this food bank. She knew somebody cared about him. Yeah. You know, it's and, simple. And it's not about quantity conversations, about quality conversations. You said it, you're, you're a two-minute conversation. That That's all it takes, and that can decide the fate of how you want to live out the rest of your day, the rest of your week, the rest of your life. Yeah. 
let's back up a little bit, okay? So, okay. so you're struggling with with mental health, and you seeked help. Did you get help? How do you feel now? So I didn't necessarily get help in the in the traditional way, but I was able to kind of I because I do know the the system and how to do th- do yeah. some things. I was able to reach out to some people and got some myself some books. And so now I'm doing really well, actually. I'm, I'm able to kind of handle it. There are days that are bad. I'm not going to lie. There are days where I literally, you know, it's funny. Things happen though for a reason, right? Because there was a day about, I don't know, two, three months ago, I was done. Put my head on the desk, said, I, you know what? I, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I don't know what else to do. But every time there seems to be somebody that shows up to support me. So, you know, that happened that day. We, Tori Matson called me, said, hey, I got, a, I got this great idea. Why don't we do a 40 meal project? And he was able to pull together all these people to make meals for our clients. And they, he handled it all, did it all. And it gave me hope again. And so, you know, I'm lucky that I consistently get feedback from others that shows me there's hope out there. And so for me, that's what gets me through it. And it sounds like your passion fuels your positivity in life as well, right? It gives you Purpose. Purpose. Right. And I think that's something else, too, that's incredibly important to positive mental health is having purpose, regardless of what that purpose is. If it means getting your pistachios every other day. Yes. At least, you know, at least it's something. Yeah. You know, it's it's a start. How does the rest of your staff cope? Because not only are you are you dealing with the people that are coming in to the food bank? You have a number of people working under you and you have to make sure that they're happy as well. Yeah, it's it's been a struggle. I mean, we've been open right through since March. We've been really lucky that we haven't been affected by COVID uh, as far as our staff is concerned. But I can tell you, like, everyone has different feelings about COVID. Everyone everyone is at a different level of stressed out regarding the, the virus and the restrictions and whether they can see their family and what that looks like. So I, I think they're all, uh, they've all had moments of struggle. Luckily, we're, we're like a family there. And so... When somebody's struggling, there's always somebody to, to have their back. And and I think that's what we want to provide in the Food and Wellness Center is that how do we create that for everyone so that you can walk in that building and when you walk in, you go, it's okay. I'm with family. It's okay. I'm with family. And everybody gets treated the same. There's no yeah. discrimination. There's no judgment. There's only acceptance. Yeah. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care if you have to use the food bank or if you're here to make a million dollar donation. You're just as important as anyone else that walks through the door. I heard a really cool analogy. Um, it must have came from Selena. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I'm really, I'm really just, good at those things. I, I can't give credit because I can't remember where it came from, so you can take it if you want it. <laughs> um, but it was, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, the, the phrase, we're all in this, we're all in the same boat. It, and it isn't the same boat. We're all in different boats, but we're all in the same storm. And that was like, when I sat there and thought about that analogy, I'm like, that is 100% right. Because some people are in a shitty little rowboat and some people are in a multi-million dollar yacht, but we're all in the same storm. And it was like, yeah. Mm, I love that. That's awesome. Because no, I don't necessarily know the struggles you're having on your rowboat or your yacht. I only know what my boat's dealing with, but I know the storm that we're all in and it's shit, right? So we all have different capacity. We all have different mechanisms of dealing with it. But we're all in the same storm together. So when you hear like we're all in this together, I'm going, well, yeah, you got a nicer boat than me. It it doesn't mean that you've got no issues at all on that boat. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, that is a good analogy. Yeah. And if Selena says it's a good analogy, well, damn. Well, then it is. is. (laughs) If you could offer up one piece of advice to anybody that walks into the food bank, one piece of advice whether it's concerning food, mental health, life, 
You've seen it all. You've been through it all. You've, oh, yeah. you've experienced it personally. What would that be? Remember that you are not alone and that there is somebody out there who thinks you are amazing and you might not even know who they are. You're not alone. We're often our, I shouldn't say we're often, we're always our own worst critic. And mm-hmm. we're, we tend to be the first ones to beat ourselves up going, I'm not worth it. I'm not worthy. So to say, I'm not alone, I, I, I think right there, that's just that little bit of hope that you need to take that first step to talk. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about? Well, I, I, this has just been amazing. I, first of all, this experience has just been great. I don't often share my personal struggles in community. So I appreciate the fact that, you know, we're just people talking and I appreciate that a lot. I I think I just want to say that um, this community in and of itself has solved some pretty big social social and societal uh, harms that are out there and they've worked really hard to do that. And I think that we can do it again. And I think this is the beginning of doing that again. And I can't wait to open the building and be there with all of you every day because just being here today has given me hope again. So thank you. And that's hoping. So May of 2021, that's when that's the tentative opening of uh, the new Madison Hat District Food Bank and Wellness Hub partnered up with our collective journey this this is big in the respect that i think it's going to provide so many means for so many people that need help and now they have a place to go where they can start to heal you know and the fact that you mentioned food well that that really sits with me just not because i love the food but But because there is so much truth to that, and I don't know how many times I've said that myself, food's important. But to hear it from you, Selena, it it rings true more than ever. And that's interesting is that we can tell ourselves things, but when we hear it from somebody else, it seems to hit home a little bit more, doesn't it? It absolutely does. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for being a part of our latest uh, From Darkness to Life uh, podcast. Three years. I can't believe it's been three years since I've seen you. So uh, much appreciated. Rick, as always, you look fantastic in plaid. We're almost matching here. Oh, right? I'll tell you, man. It's I was adopted, so shit, you and I could be identical <laughs> twin brothers separated. I was adopted, I just, too. I, well, hell. Well, there wow. you go. What a mess. All right. That's the next podcast. Yeah, there's I'll an episode right there. There it is. Long lost brothers. When's your birthday? Day. January 482. Shit, me too. <laughs> no, not even close. But all right. <laughs> Rick, thank you. Selena, thank you very much. Thank you so much. From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Rick, Ryan, and Damien are here for you. Contact Our Collective Journey on Facebook at Our Collective Journey or on the web at ourcollectivejourney.ca. Hosted by Poncho Parker. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a plugged-in media network exclusive. Check out this and our other great podcasts at pymedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening.